Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay, I have questions for you. Do you want to learn the go-to-market strategies that are the most effective during turbulent times like these? Or would you like to understand how you can use data to improve your rate of growth? Or perhaps finding out how you can get people finding your company when they have problems that you can solve? Is that more of your speed? Well, if any of these are true, then you are in the right place. This is Sastery in the Making. I am your host, Matt Wallach. And I am thrilled to be joined today by my special guest, SaaS marketing expert, president and CEO of Directive, Garrett Mergut. Garrett, how are you? Thanks for having me, Matt. Excited to be here. Looking forward to chatting with you. Absolutely. I am also looking forward to that. Uh, for everybody out there who doesn't know Garrett just yet, you're going to want to get to know this guy. As I mentioned, he's the president and CEO of Directive. This is a slick company, and they really focus on SaaS brands. They're a performance marketing company specifically for software, and they specialize in things like SEO and pay-per-click and conversions and such. Garrett's also been a mentor for Startup Weekend. And he's really a marketing thought leader. A lot of people look up to this guy. He speaks at many conferences and summits, and he's published all over the place. So I'm really thrilled to talk with him so I can learn a bit about all of this performance marketing stuff. So, Garrett, thanks for coming on. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say now. I'm sorry for letting everyone down now. Um, no, but excited to, uh, excited to chat with you today. Really, really looking forward to it. Good, good. Me too. Well, let's kick it off. I really want to know what you're doing lately at Directive and what's coming up. Yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're going through a really fun phase where we're getting to go even deeper within our SaaS deliverable and, and pushing ourselves more and more. You know, so we're really working on things that are, I think, pretty unique, like getting better at using time decay in your SEO and PPC forecasts uh, with full funnel analysis, like mapping that directly to LTV CAC ratios and payback periods. So we brought a full-time CFO on. She's phenomenal. And she's really not just worrying about like making our books right, but helping us innovate how we do financial modeling for our clients, which is something pretty unique, you know, for a performance marketing firm. Um, and that's a big focus area. And then really building out our frameworks. We have a lot of pretty unique approaches to how we satisfy difficult situations. Like how do you increase MQLs without X budget or without this or without that or with this or with that and really doing a good job of taking all our internal kind of marketing and using that more um, on the sales enablement side, as well as on the marketing automation side, the content side to really essentially, we hadn't had the role of product marketing as a service firm a lot of people don't think about your product marketing, right? Like it's something that hopefully Matt, even for you to maybe think about is like, how do you turn what you do, like in your space, winning by design does this really, really well, right? They, they have a really good frameworks that they integrate. And so I'm trying to do something very similar in my space of how do we document what we do internally and then use that for our marketing and sales enablement externally. Um, so that's kind of what I'm going through, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And you used a lot of, you know, data analytic metric stuff that I love and I preach and a lot of my audience has already heard all about CAC payback and your LTV yep. CAC and all that's super important. One of the things you learned I haven't spoken about before, time delay, 
Can you talk a little bit more about that and what that means? Yeah. So like one of the biggest issues in like the depth of SaaS is that CMOs get churned, like frankly, almost every two years. And so, and I think in my opinion, it's not because they aren't creative enough. It's not because they aren't effective. It's because they don't understand truly how to work with the CFO, the board, and their investors. They really don't understand this. the two little words I like to call capital allocation. And I found there's two things that really take you to the next level. Like once you truly elevate yourself as a marketer and you, you've been through the trenches, you're, you're good tactically, you, you're good strategically, you know your different levers, what really separates the best organizations in my mind, like the best marketers at these organizations is they're very good with capital allocation. So that's money, that's resources, and that's time. Okay. Really knowing where to go there. And then they're really strong with their value proposition at every stage. Right. So a lot of people top of funnel value props is like the seven deadly sins of CRM software. Mm -hmm. But that's a one directional value prop. In other words, the prospect lands on your landing page, has to give you all their personal information, and then they frankly get a somewhat average piece of content that most likely doesn't make them more likely to hire you after they read it than before. If you don't believe me, ask your SDR team what they think about your top of funnel leads from assets. They don't like them, right? And so, else, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, how do we evolve past that to like bi-directional value props where we can use things like Slack groups or LinkedIn groups or Facebook groups to create community at the top so that like for us at Directive, if anyone's listening, you can talk to anyone on the growth team here completely free of charge by wow. joining our Slack group called Society. So if you need advice, you need help, you want to actually become a part of our community, that to me is a way better top of funnel value proposition than download our asset. And so the middle of funnel, right? Like we have case studies, but if anyone here ever read your own case studies, I don't know if you'd be more likely to hire you after than before. So like, how do you create case studies that are truly compelling? And then bottom of funnel, right? Like what's that offer that you're gonna get someone to go from apathy to action? And, and I think once you understand that as a marketer plus capital allocation, you can then do all your other things I think really well. Um, and that's just not what they're good at. And so to answer your initial question, payback period and all that's great, but marketers need to be able to forecast, okay? And ideally, to elevate yourself as like, I don't know in most organizations if the CMO sits frankly even with the chief revenue officer because the chief revenue officer is more integrated into customer success and more integrated into finance because they need to know how many engineers do we need to staff for this project if it closes, how many customer success people do we need to onboard in July and it's February right now. And so what we do is we use time to close at a channel level by getting metrics out of Marketo or HubSpot or Pardot. And then you can start to forecast from your full funnel, right? Because most people do a full funnel analysis with no time decay. So what I mean by that is, well, if we get 200 MQLs and 75% of those turn to SQLs, and then of that, we close 20%, how many deals are we gonna have in July? But that isn't actually how it works, right? Like it takes time. Yep. And so the marketers forecasts are always wonky. And so that's some of the stuff I'm trying to help them solve is like the deepest parts of why they get fired and how to elevate them internally. 
I love it. That definitely sounds next level and really, really cool stuff. And, and that might lead me into my next question. I want to ask you because you, you guys developed Pulse and you've got that out there with the, uh, you know, standardizing or, or maybe measuring your analytical pieces against others, which looks super, super interesting. I wish I had something like that when I was running companies. So how did you yeah. come up with with that idea and how is it helping people? Yeah, yeah. for everybody listening, um, Pulse is a product we built. It's totally free. So if you're listening, you want to do it, check it out. What it does, it has 800 subcategories of software, and then it's fully enriched with every SEO and PPC API available. So it's got about 30,000 companies organized across 800 verticals where you can see in every vertical, and we built a custom algorithm to score them. So you can see in every vertical who has the highest directive score based on how many keywords they rank for, how much they're spending on Google ads, um, how many referring domains, backlinks they have, a bunch of different KPIs. And then wow. it organizes them all and it's completely free. So if you want to check it out, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's definitely a cool tool. That's pretty amazing. It sounds like a really cool deal. Is it going well so far? It seems like something that people would really take to. Yeah, it's going well. It hasn't been something we've focused on as much just because our service business is such a core function of what we do. It's much more currently, I'd say, uh, complementary instead of incrementally growing us. Um, but it's a great way to like, once again, like what's more valuable of a database of 30,000 companies or a white paper. So it's really, really good for that top of funnel brand positioning and MQL creation for our sales development org. Um, it's empowering for AEs who are trying to solve the more important question of what makes you better and changing it to what makes us different, right? Like people will pay more for different. They don't pay more for better. And so like learning that game, uh, I think pulse and like things you can do like that to add to your brand are always really important. I love it. I'm going to go download it after we're off. I think everybody else should do. That's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. Uh, you, you talked about top of funnel. You talked about your sales team and how they wouldn't like some things here and there. You know, your focus is, is definitely great on marketing. My focus for my career has been on sales. How do you see those two departments, those two teams really working together in an ideal scenario? Yeah. So I love sales. So like I'm a sales guy at my heart. So like right <laughs> now I've spent this whole week rebuilding my whole sales process. I read over like 300 pages of sales books today and like, oh, well, Monday and Tuesday. And then I built Tuesday through Friday. Um, and I really enjoy it. But to answer your question around combining the two and orchestrating it, I think the biggest gap right now is scoring. And like, actually, I think a lot of people try to go cheap with everything that provides leverage. And so like, for example, if you're doing territory mapping and geography is somehow more important than industry, I don't think you're doing it right. Right. Like, like right now people are doing capital, like account selection and prioritization still very legacy and mm -hmm. like take COVID. Like how does territory mapping really help you right now in COVID? Like, honestly, like, what are you yeah. going to do? Like you see like, and, and there's no scale in that because like, just because like, accounts in New York, they're not more likely to hire you. Like even in my world where agencies used to be like, go launch an office in the area and then gain market share, mm -hmm. proximity and close rate are becoming less and less correlated, especially with air travel so cheap. And so what I really love to focus on between sales and marketing is how and not they all work plus product. So in other words, how is what the customer is gonna buy and use if they work with you. How do you get that out of your product 
and into your marketing so that it becomes your content marketing and your blog and all those things is not like 17 different ways to grow MQLs. It's our unique framework to growing SaaS MQLs vetted across 300 accounts. That, right, makes someone more likely to hire you if you do it right, if they read it, than if the other post. And so like really sales and marketing is about understanding that you're both sharing a revenue goal. You're both mm -hmm. sharing an SQL goal. You're both sharing an opportunity and demo goal. So how do you work together? And I think if you create shared KPIs, shared meetings, and you do it like that, you can really integrate the two. And then if you get good at scoring and data enrichment, like actually pay for real data enrichment and do it right, now you have a really great organization. I love it. Yeah, you're definitely speaking to me because you talked about having a shared revenue goal, shared demo goals. So once I think that happens, that's when the team really starts to see alignment and you start to break down the silos. When marketing is just purely focused on leads, then you know you start seeing some junk leads come through and it's really not helpful to the end result. In fact, it's detrimental because you have the sales team focusing on stuff that doesn't work, not going to close and not going to be a good fit for the company. So I yep. love what you're preaching here and, and, and having that end goal, the revenue goal be aligned with the teams is, is beautiful. That's when it really happens. Here's why though, Matt, right? Mathematically, right? So if marketing is focused on volume and purely top of funnel, then what happens is they increase volume and, and in the pursuit of doing so, they decrease the LTV because in SaaS, there is a direct correlation between volume and average order value. Okay. And so as you grow your volume, you decrease your LTV. Simultaneously, as you grow your volume, decrease quality. Okay. And as you do so, you now increase, you have diminishing marginal returns on every SDR, every MDR, and every AE. And so what you're actually doing in real time is you're increasing customer acquisition cost while decreasing LTV, creating diminishing marginal returns. And that's actually how these companies increase their burn rate and hurt themselves is because they're not truly understanding the full funnel impact of every one of their activities. Yeah, it's just a vicious cycle and it definitely can be very harmful. So let, let, let's shift that around. So what would you say are the best go-to-market strategies for you know any time, but really right now during turbulent times when times are uh, a bit tough for a lot of companies? Yeah. So. You're a really sharp marketer. You've done your full financial analysis. You understand your LTV CAC. You understand your cost per MQL, your cost per SQL, and your cost per demo, as well as your cost per customer. Okay, you have all your costs understood. What we need to do is we need to come up with an offer that creates leverage on everything else. Okay, if you run the math, what you're going to find as a marketer and as a salesperson is that activation is more important than acquisition. In other words, how many people you acquire is less important than how often you turn people that you acquire into customers. In other words, yep. increasing your close rate by two points is more important than increasing your volume by two points. Does that kind of make sure. sense? Absolutely. Okay. And so when we go to market, we need to have this offer and the offer that is working exceptionally well for ourselves and for our clients is gift giving. Okay. So if I say, Hey Matt, can I get 15 minutes of your time to talk about something? What I found after doing this for seven years, all day, every day, is unless you have the timing right, meaning you randomly happen to actually have a need, then you're evaluating vendors for exactly what I offer, you will not take that meeting, period. The offer is not good enough. Mm -hmm. 
if you say, hey, Matt, I'd love to meet with you. Here's three case studies from similar accounts. Do you have 15 minutes of time? You still won't take the meeting. People try to think they can prove things cold. It doesn't work. Now, if I say, hey, Matt, here's three case studies. We'd love to work with you. It's all personalized. And you'll get a $100 gift card if you show up. You're going to take that meeting more often than not. And so if you can get an offer for a $100 gift card, you'll win. Now, here's the beautiful part. Remember we said how much you can pay for a meeting? Well, most math, like for me, I can pay $1,500 for a meeting. So why wouldn't I use $100 of that to drastically increase the amount of meetings I'm having? So since doing that for our business, we went from having about like uh, 20 to 30 proposals a month to over 60 to 75 in one month wow. by just wow. changing the offer. So the psychology of gift giving is incredibly powerful. Number one, people want things. Number two, they feel bad not accepting them. And so there's multiple things here. Now we did split test this and we ran it with a $50 gift card and it didn't work. So really, there is there is like a uh, critical mass, right? So I haven't tried it at 75 yet, but $100 has kind of been our sweet spot where it's actually valuable enough to get CMOs and VPs and anyone to take the meeting. So something for your audience to definitely think about. I have heard that, and I've, I've heard of people using gifts to be able to get meetings, and it's worked out really, really well. So that idea of doing the gift card, and that's the whole, like, everybody knows that once you once you give a gift, it's just our human nature. We feel obligated to want to return the favor. I mean, that's just built into us from a very young age. So that's awesome to see. And what I, what I think about is there's so many companies, because you said, oh, you know your CAC, you know... I think a lot of companies struggle with this and they don't realize how much they're actually spending on acquiring. And to them, what? Well, I'm not going to give a hundred dollars for me. Well, actually, if you broke it down, you're actually spending $1,200 for every meeting that you're getting. So you might want to think about spending a hundred dollars. So irony, right? Like I haven't done the exact math here, but we drastically lowered our customer acquisition costs and our cost per SQL our cost per intro call by paying a hundred dollars. That's the craziest part. So like when we did the $50 gift card, the campaigns tripled in cost because there was that much less valuable. And so in other words, like spending money saves you money when you do it the right way. And a lot of people struggle with that concept. I know I did historically. So it, once you feel really good about your numbers and you've actually mapped this out and you have your LTV CAC analysis, then this is really, really powerful. That is beautiful. Spending money actually saves you money. We're going to get that frame. That's pretty awesome. I love, I love that. Um, so I know you probably work with good sized clients. Some of my clients are, are newer in getting in their growth cycle and getting ramped up. At what point do you think it's appropriate for a company as they're growing to bring on a, a marketing agency, a performance marketer like yourself? Again, so we work with a lot of organizational sizes. We work with funded startups. So people that might have their series A um, or something like that. I mean, we work with mostly mid-market and enterprise, but there are some funded startups that, I mean, we've been with Sentinel One forever. Um, we've been with a lot of these different organizations that have done really, really well. Um, I think when you wanna bring on an agency is when you actually know what you're doing. I think a lot of times people, a performance marketing agency, we're not a branding agency. We're not a strategy agency. We are a like 
help you grow MQLs, help you hit revenue targets, help you get to that next round of funding. We're very, very good at that. But if we show up and you don't have anything else going on, we're not magical. In other words, you don't have um, demos ready. Like you don't have a demo video. You don't have any top of funnel assets. Your product isn't fully built yet. And it's more of a wait list. Like those moments, that's not necessarily for us. But let's say you've got um, a director of demand gen and she is working her tail off um, and she's wearing way too many hats. We've been helping those companies for about seven years where there might be one or two in-house marketers and we'll either do a project for them to help figure out how they can manage SEO and PPC internally, maybe with some junior level people, or we'll do annual engagement and say, here's what we're going to do quarter over quarter, year over year and grow with you. Um, but yeah, I would say you'd probably do need to at least have like, you need one full-time marketer in house. You need some type of product market fit because I'm gonna help you get more leads. But if you can't, like if you aren't closing your leads, right. And you don't have Matt's help with sales process and a whole audit and you don't actually know how to create leverage. We're not, you're, you're not going to be able to keep paying us because you're not monetizing our efforts. So I'd say once you're really ready to like increase MQLs, that's probably a good time to hire a directive. I love it. And thanks for the plug in there. That was good. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so uh, you talked about SEO, you talked about PPC, those kind of things that, that they trend here and there and they're changing all the time. For me, when I was running companies, that's where I would see a lot of value is hiring an expert who keeps up with that because I don't want to keep up with that stuff myself. So how are you guys keeping up with it and how are you pro providing value to your clients to, to make sure that you're on top of all that stuff? Yeah, the beautiful part is if you worry less about Google and more about your discoverability and your client's customers and how you differentiate your product versus the markets, you don't have to keep up with as much. Now there's some cool stuff that obviously growing, like we're running conversation ads. That's really innovative. 99% of the people listening today aren't running those. We're running smart broad with like Salesforce offline conversion tracking, using LTV CAC to calculate target CPA. We're using really nice smart broad bidding strategies. So there's some definite innovation, right? But I think what's more detrimental is the people that think you have to beat Google. And if you change your mentality to beating Google or tricking Google or understanding Google and change it to understanding your customer and beating your competition, you get a lot more leverage out of SEO and PPC. So I would say like, we don't worry as much about like the nerdy side of SEO and PPC. We worry more about the financial side, the sales side, the differentiating side of SEO and PPC and ha and we help our SaaS clients tackle the, the most difficult problems they face. I think that's amazing. That speaks uh, you know, to your, your genius in what you're doing is that you really are there to try and solve problems for the, for the end user. And I think that that's something that a lot of people forget. They try to game the system. Uh, but really, when you start putting yourself in their shoes and trying to figure out their situation and solving their problems, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, Matt. I mean, we got so much data these days that we became worse marketers, like honest to God. Like we got so good at lead generation that we all got bad at marketing. Like everybody's like, oh, how many MQLs can you get me? How many leads can you get me? How many? But they don't realize that they don't have anything to say. Like they don't have a brand that stands for anything. They don't have a value proposition. They don't have a differentiated product. They don't have a brand that anyone would even freaking care about, remember, or want to work with. Like they're missing the whole 
thing. Like we get to be marketers. We get to create demand for what we offer due to our ideas, due to our partnerships, due to just having fun, like writing great copy, like really thinking about real problems. And the second we get back to that and then use everything else to empower how we differentiate our brand to our target audience, that's when we become great. You know, like it's less about like SEO and PPC and it's way more about brand, it's way more about value props, it's way more about capital allocation. And then sure, yeah, you're great at link building, you're great at single keyword ad groups or smart broads or landing pages. Those are all just nice to have. They're not need to have. Need to have is differentiation and strategy and financial analysis. Incredible. I feel like I could talk to you all day about this, but unfortunately we are under time constraints. So uh, I wanna make sure everybody understands how shall they get in touch with you if they wanna learn more about you, what you're doing, Garrett, or at Directive. Yeah, so we have, like I was saying, the free um, Directive Society. Go to our website, check it out, um, and join. It's completely free. You can ask any question. And some of the legitimately smartest minds, not myself, like our team, will be answering questions. They are 10 times better at this stuff. Uh, they are true experts in the craft. Um, so join that, ask questions, be a part of it. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to follow me, at uh, G Marigude on Twitter, Garrett Marigude on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, love to chat, love to connect, love to help in any way. That's awesome. Well, again, we were talking with Garrett Marigude from Directive, the performance marketing agency. So thank you very much for coming on, Garrett. Oh, thank you, Matt. Absolutely. And for everybody else, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sastery in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.